Hallelujah. Tell the person next to you how amazing they are. I always tell you to do that because I always like to hear that. So, you know, I don't know. How are you this morning? Amazing. Well, I got some good news and some bad news. Good news, bad news. What do you want first? Bad news? Good news. Okay, the good news is is that Romans is an amazing book of the Bible, incredible and absolutely wonderful. And the bad news is we're not going to be able to finish it. Because I have to step aside. I was only supposed to do this for four weeks, people. And this is week seven. So, <laughs> yeah, oh boy. So uh, we're gonna, I'm going to step aside as far as we're going to put Romans on pause. And uh, we're going to move on with some other things that have been in the works and planned. And it's going to be good. And this house is filled with good preachers. Amen? So that's the good news and the bad news all together. And honestly, I don't know what I'll do with myself all week long without this to study for. <laughs> Maybe I'll get Christmas done. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's dive on in, open your Bibles, get Romans all ready. But we're going to be all over the place. I've got a lot to share with you tonight. Or this morning is going to be uh, kind of a teach-preach. Anybody ever have a teach-preach? So uh, teaching is the meat and the just incredible knowledge, and the preach is the wonderful slathering of the anointing all over it. And if you can get both together, you got a good thing going. So that's my hope and my goal today. But the, the teach part means you're going to have to use your brain. Everybody say, use your brain. And uh, so this is, this is going to be good. So if you've got your notes out, sorry, Bible study on Wednesday. Yes, Bible study on Wednesday. So if you guys want to come on out for Romans, I'll do another chapter uh, through the Bible study. But uh, today, we're going to do this. So get your pe pens and paper out because you're going to be studious as well. And your Bible. And we're going to just do some amazing things here today. Anybody ever heard of William Tyndale? William Tyndale, he lived, uh, he was a contemporary of Luther, Martin Luther, and uh, Martin Luther is so well known for all of his reformation of the Catholic Church and, and pulling out the Bible, dusting it off after being um, in a language that nobody could read, and, and so Luther's kind of, well, there was another guy, Luther was in Germany, while Luther was rolling, rolling in Ger Germany to get this uh, church uh, reformed, Tyndale was in England, and he was doing the same thing, it was pretty interesting how God had two different guys, actually there was quite a few reformers that had, he had raised up at that time, but Tyndale was in England, and he doesn't get a lot of, lot of press, uh, but he was in England. By the time he entered college, he had uh, proficiently mastered seven languages, one of them being Greek and Latin, and uh, he, being a churchman, pulled out the Bible and was reading the Bible and absolutely blown away with the Book of Romans. The Book of Romans blew his brain to pieces. And he's just a churchman. But he knows he's, he's able to read the Bible. Nobody in England was able to read the Bible. It was not in their language. And so he starts, like, talking to people about the book of Romans, and the church, the priests of the church get mad at him. And they're like, what are you doing? You don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And they got in this big, huge fight. And, and in fact, in one of these confrontations, he looks at him and says, by the time I'm done with my life, the average young person behind the plow will know more about the word of God than you do. Talk about throwing it down. 
And he did. He translated the entire Bible into English, and it was being circulated, and he was being chased down, and he ended up uh, being strangled and burned at the stake for the book of Romans. The truths that we have been learning in the book of Romans cannot be taken lightly. It's truth. And it is meant to move you and to change you. And it was so powerful that Tyndale never backed down. They chased him all over Europe trying to find him. And when they found him, they strangled him, burned him at the stake. So are you ready to read a little more about Romans? (laughs) Let's do it. Because we're not going to get burnt at the stake today for looking at this. But hopefully we are going to be absolutely inspired. So, Romans, God's incredible love story. Romans is his relentless pursuit of restorative love for his complete and utter object of affection, and that would be you. We learned last week about God's mercy. I want you to open up to Romans 12. And let's see what we can do here. Romans 12. See how far we can get. 16 chapters in Romans. Let's see how far we can get. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... Stop right there. That's as far we're going to get. No, just kidding. In view of God's mercy, and last week we talked a lot about mercy. I just want to just jog your memory just a little bit. Mercy is the most amazing thing in God's economy. And when you look at mercy, I want you to understand mercy is this. It's two things. First of all, it feels pain and does something about it. Mercy feels pain in another person's life or a situation and does something about it. That's what mercy is. And when God looked at our plight, God being holy and entirely just, a God who will not, cannot allow crime or problems or anything um, injustice to happen. He has to bring it back into balance. He is the most just God. He is complete and utter justice. But he is also holy compassion. So he was able to look at our plight and do something about it. He didn't just look at us and go, eh, it's okay, it's all right. No, he had to pay the price for our sin. He paid it. This wasn't just cheap grace. This is grace and compassion at the expense of his son. And the cross of Jesus Christ is firmly planted in a foundation called mercy. So when you think of mercy, I want you to think of the cross of Jesus Christ. Mercy feels pain and does something about it. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I will tell you something, people of God. You can never out use up God's mercies. You might think that you had had a rough day. Maybe you had a hard go at it. Maybe you had to use a little mercy of his and you maybe needed to call upon his, his, the blood of Jesus for your day. And you go to bed thinking, man, rats. You wake up in the morning. Guess what? His mercies are brand new. 
A whole truckload of mercy came in the night and it got dumped on you every single morning. He never runs out of mercy. And the problem with Christianity sometimes today is that we wake up in the morning remembering yesterday's faults and failures. But you need to remember every morning you wake up, his mercy is brand new, all brand new. Enough for that day and enough to cover the day before. His mercies are new every single morning and great is thy faithfulness. And if you cannot see a God and if you are refused to know of a God, and if you refuse that in our God, Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? If you refuse that, if you wake up in the morning and you determine in your heart that you're going to think that things are bad and you ruined it and you're no good, then you are calling God a liar. You're calling him a liar. His mercies are new every single morning. And he is faithful. So in view of this mercy, in view of the most amazing place you find yourself in because of God, In view of his mercy, offer your bodies, your bodies, these things right here. These things right here. You know, God is so involved in your heart. And he's so loving of your spirit. But he wants your body too. He wants your fingernails. He wants your eyeballs. He wants your eyebrows. He wants your, you know, he wants your ears. He wants your nose. He wants everything. Everything. He wants your bodies. And he is very, very, very interested in the way you're handling your body. Present your body. Why my body? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is that thing. Your heart and your spirit is seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus right now. But your body is right here. You're tethered to this world. And your ability to to walk this world and have influence has everything to do with you having a body. And the moment you don't have a body, you don't have influence in this world any longer. Friday, we had the, the funeral service for Joanne Ortiz. And Joanne Ortiz was one of the most amazing women of God I have ever known. But she now no longer has effect in this world. She's gone. She can't praise God this morning in a church service. She's doing it in heaven. But she has no ability now to affect this world. She no longer has a body. You have a body. God wants your body. He wants you because he wants to affect the world through you. Present your bodies. Keep your body healthy. Let me just throw that in. A living sacrifice. Living, he wants you alive. He doesn't want you dead. He wants you a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something that used to be alive and got died. The full entire purpose of a sacrifice is to praise God and to be an aroma, a sweet aroma to him. You, he is not going to kill you. He's going to let you live, but you still have to be a sacrifice. Your life, every day, your words, everything is an aroma. What is it? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your continual act of spiritual act of worship. Verse 2. This is where we're going to camp. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what, is, what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. 
do not conform. So there's some main words here that I'm just going to pick out. I hope that this scripture that you have heard many, many sermons on just comes alive today for you today. It's been burning in my heart all week, and I can't wait. So the words that come to mind out of this, conform, transform, renew, and mind. Conform, transform. Conform. So conform and transform are kind of similar words, but they're very, very different. They each have the same root word, form. Form. Now let me explain to you what a form is. A form is something that causes something to have a certain shape. So a form is not the shape. And you have to, you have to de- uh, make the difference between the material that goes in the form and the form. The material that goes in the form is very different than the form. When we were young, we built churches, or not churches, well, we did build this church too, but we, we would build houses. And so we would build forms for the foundation. So they were hard, you know, wood forms or whatever. And then the, the concrete truck backs up and dumps the tr- concrete down in there. And we would run around and we would bang on the concrete forms so that the, all the air bubbles and everything gets out of it. And the, the material inside takes the form of the form. Then you rip the form off and there stands concrete in that form. So that's what the word form means. It means a shape, but it doesn't mean the thing that's in it. It means the shape. Got it? So the word conform means to be joined thoroughly to that form. Conform. 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 Become exactly that shape. And the Bible here says, very. Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. So this world has a pattern. This world has a form. It has a shape. It has a way about it. It has a, a, it it is something. And you are pliable. You're like concrete. And depending on what form you place yourself in, you're going to become that thing. So the Bible says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What does the pattern of this world look like? What does the pattern of this world look like? And he is saying right now that you, you at chapter 12 of Romans, after you have gone through all of what God has done for you and the blood of Jesus and and forgiveness of sins and all of this kind of things, he's got you to this amazing place. And now he's saying, now your bodies that are walking around on this earth, tethered to the heavenly places, is not to conform to the shape of the pattern of this world. The thought is like metal, liquid metal. You heat it up. It was a buckle. Let's just think about this, a metal buckle. You take that metal buckle, you heat it up, and you can now pour it into a different form and get a sword. Same stuff, totally different purpose. It's no longer a buckle. A sword can't hold a pants up, but you can sure do a lot with a sword that you can't do with a buckle. So the Bible says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. So the word trans, as opposed to con, con means join thoroughly, trans means to be changed thoroughly. So now he's telling you, don't conform, but I want you to be transformed. Now it's very interesting, why didn't he just say, 
don't conform to the pattern of the world, but conform to my pattern. Why didn't he just say that? Conform, conform. They're they're both, you know, wouldn't you think that that would kind of make sense? Conform, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but conform to my pattern. Why didn't he say that? No, he didn't say that. He said he didn't say it for a reason, though, because he wanted to use the word transformed. And I'm going to just blow your brains out right now because it is a different word. Transformed is completely different than conformed. It's in the New Testament four times, the word transformed. It is the word, and I'm going to try to blow it up here, metamorpho It's where we get metamorphosis, Right? So, open now turn your Bible to Mark chapter 9, verse 3. So, it's, this word is here in Romans, and it's used in the Gospels twice for the same story. And I'm going to use Mark's rendition. So, of the four, that would be three, right? So, Mark 9, verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured. Now, the word transfigured, they they, uh, put it as transfigured in, in this verse, but it's the same word transformed. Okay? Jesus, he was transfigured or transformed before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. That's pretty white. And they were, uh, there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were also talking to Jesus. Now, if you look at the, the passage in Luke, it also includes that his face shone bright. So when Jesus was transformed, something happened. The outer humanity, his physical humanity, was peeled back just a little bit, and the glory of God's work inside of him shone through. It was a bright light. His clothes shone and his face shone. That's what it means to become transformed. Turn over to Matthew 5. See, God doesn't want to just conform you. He wants to transform you. Matthew 5, verses 14 and following. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. God wants to transform you. And through that transformational process, you are to appear very differently. You are to become light. And I want you to understand this. He doesn't just want to conform you to his shape. He wants to transform you. Like Jesus was transformed. So, okay, so you want to tell me to not conform to the pattern of this world... 
But now you want to transform me. And, and now you're calling me light. And transfiguration and transformation, it's, it's, a, it's a bigger thing. What are you talking about? How do I do this? Well, he tells you by renewing your mind. The word renew means to resume an activity that ha- after an interruption. Renew it. Renew your mind. It means to resume an activity after it's been interrupted. So what that tells me is that at one point, our minds were one thing. And then something happened to interrupt it. Something not very good. And then now God is saying, okay, now we're going to renew. We're going to go back to what it was before the interruption. I want you to renew your mind. Well, how come he starts talking about my mind? Why doesn't he say, stand and let the light shine upon you, and then I will shine through you? Why doesn't he say, do this, do this, do this, do this? I don't know. Obviously, being transformed, being transfigured has something else to do uh, than, than my behavior. It has a lot to do with my mind. Why does God now shift to my mind? What's wrong with my mind? What is my mind? Is my mind my brain? Nope. There's a difference between your brain and your mind. Two very different things. You are a dualistic being. Your brain is your hardware. Your mind is your software. Your brain brain can perceive things. Your mind has perceptions. Your brain views things, but your mind has a viewpoint. They can go in and they can probe your brain and they can make your leg move and they can make your arm move and you can, you can do things physically to your brain because your brain is a physical thing. But your mind is very separate and they can't find your mind. They can't find it. They can't find it. Do you know why? Because your mind is where you believe and where you choose. And they can go in there and and probe around and zap little spots and they can't make you believe or choose anything because it's not in your brain. You are more than your brain. You are a mind. And that mind is where God wants to start the transformational process in your life. Some of us in our mind are not thinking well. So let's look at this. Why do I have to renew my mind? What's wrong with my mind? Turn over to Romans 8. Are you still with me? We're going to bring it home. Tell her, bring it home. Bring it home quick. I'm going to, but we got a few more little places to go because it's going to just get amazing here. Romans 8. What's wrong with my brain? Romans 8, starting with verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature, that nature desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the, what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. Everybody say death. A mind of a sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is what? But what does the next line here say? The sinful mind is hostile to God. 
Everybody say hostile. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So in other words, your mind, left to itself, hates God and is in complete rebellion. Your mind, left to itself, is hostile. It's enemies with God. Because when sin came in, see, remember, uh, renew means to go back to what it was before you had the problem. Before sin, Adam and Eve in the garden, their minds were not hostile to God. Their minds were very close to God and yearning for God and, and connected with God. But when sin came in, your mind became hostile to God. Has anybody ever had a hostile thought towards God? Like rebellion. The word hostile means rebellion. Like, what? I don't want to. What? I don't want to. I don't get it. I'm going to do it my way. I don't want to. Somebody raise your hand and join me in this fray. Your mind is hostile to God. Romans 1. What's wrong with your mind? Let me tell you what's wrong with your mind. Romans 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth with their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, but because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. And their hearts were darkened. Thinking became futile. Your mind is filled with futility. The sinful mind is filled with futility. What does the word futile mean? It means simple, dull, and empty. Our minds that went from being a glorious, amazing thing in the garden after sin became very futile. A lot of the things that we think about all day long of the 24 hours that we're given, how much of it is, is given to life and godliness and greatness and, and going somewhere? How much of it is filled with futility? Now jump down to 28. Therefore, since they did not think it worthy to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. He gave them over to depraved mind. Now the Bible, Romans is telling us that your mind now not only is in its natural state very hostile to God, and that in its very natural state is, is uh, very futile. It's, it's got emptiness. It's, a, you know, it's an empty noggin up there in so many ways. We do a lot of things, but what is it worth? We think a lot of thoughts, but what are those thoughts producing? And then now he's telling us that now our minds are depraved. What does depraved mean? It means corrupt and wicked. Human minds have thought up some of the most horrible things. To rip a baby from a womb
to take a gun and shoot people for no reason? May, I, I, the, the 19th century is known as one of the most bloodiest of centuries. Complete races were attempted to be wiped out. What are our minds thinking? To take a child and lock it in a closet? To take another human being and rape it? The depravity of our minds is astonishing what humanity can think up. These minds that God made and gave such intellect into. Are being destroyed day by day thinking up ways to harm another person. Thinking up ways to destroy our own bodies. Our minds, the very creative thing that we have been given that is just like God. We are so much like God. We are made in his image. There's no wonder now I'm understanding why Paul says, with the Holy Spirit through Paul says, I want to transform you, my people. I don't want you to be like everything else. I don't want you to walk around this world looking and acting and feeling and sensing and saying and hearing and doing like the pattern of this world. I want to renew your mind and then transfigure you into the light of this world. How does this happen? How can I get my mind renewed? Sometimes I stand there. Sometimes I sit. And I hear the thoughts rolling around in my mind. And I hate them so. I hate them so. How can I become transfigured? How can I be the light of the world? Titus gives us the answer. Titus 3. Oh, Holy Spirit, come upon the minds of your people. Holy Spirit, transform our minds. Transform us. I need a Kleenex. Either that or I'm going to sniff my way the rest of the sermon. It's not good. We used to have boxes of Kleenex everywhere. Everybody's known. I just lost the spirit, but I got to do this or it's not going to be good. I got a human body, for heaven's sake. Has a nose. Why did he make up noses? Titus 3. Let's start at verse 3. It sounds a lot like Romans. At one time, we too were foolish and disobedient and deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And we lived in malice and envy and being hated and hating others. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. 
He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. The washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. How do we renew our minds? How does it happen? I can think happy thoughts. Is that it? Think happy thoughts and fly, Peter. I think it's going to take more than that. Because for every happy thought, I think, there's 59 unhappy thoughts that want to take their place. Am I alone? Through the renewal of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you two things about the Holy Spirit. First of all, he is truth. John 14, verses 15 through 17, tell us very clearly that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And your minds, being darkened, hostile to God, and depraved, are in sore need of truth. And if we can take our minds and focus our minds upon truth, it will change everything. If you believe something that's not truth, you will follow that belief system to the end of that lie. If you believe that you are not important, that you were an accident, a bit of protoplasm that just happened to come together and become a human being called you, and there is no God, no purpose, no reason, no rhyme, no, no thought process, no intelligent design behind your intelligence. If you believe that then you're going to follow that down through the ages and throughout life with no purpose, no need for anything. Why do I need to do anything? And you will become nothing. You will come, you've come from nothing. You are nothing. Be nothing. Be anything you want. But what does truth say? Truth says that you were envisioned in God's eyes before you were even conceived. And that he was there at the moment you were conceived. I don't care how, where, why, and what situation. He was there and he, that conception. In fact, they have found biologically when that sperm permeates that egg, there is a flash of light. Did you know that? There is an electrical impulse and a flash of light. You are not a mistake. You are a God-given absolute miracle. And as you are being formed in that little tiny womb, he's writing the words of your life down. The Holy Spirit brings truth. Our minds must be saturated in truth. Don't even give a moment to things that aren't true. So therefore, you better be looking at truth a lot. Because there's lots of options out there. Lots of options. Get under teaching. Read books. Don't miss church for heaven's sake. 
We work all week to bring you truth. Literally. You have no idea how many hours. But it's a joy because I love it. Truth. He is the spirit of truth. And you have to train your mind on the truth. Sometimes I ask Dwayne, and girls, girls, honey, you know what? You, your brains work way too fast. You probably think ten thoughts for every one you should have thought. Come on, girls. Say you're right. So there's times. I'll go to Dwayne and I'll say, Dwayne, what should I think? <laughs> you laugh. I thought it was serious. No, I, this is a serious moment. I would say, Dwayne, and I still do this, honey, you tell me what I should think here. Because I'm lost. I've lost truth. And he will tell me. And sometimes I hate what he says. But when I'm being a good girl, I go, okay. And I think those thoughts. It's a spirit of truth. God is also the spirit of creation. He's the agent of creation. If you look, Genesis 1.1. Remember, I always tell you, I always like to read, you know, start at the beginning and end at the end. Every sermon. Well, I'm going to do it today. Genesis 1.1. The Holy Spirit is a creative force. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Don't you feel like your brains are sometimes formless and empty? The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over it. The Spirit of God hovered over it. The Spirit of God is one that would come and create. The Holy Spirit calls things that are not as though they are. The Holy Spirit brings truth. The Holy Spirit wants to saturate your mind and raise you up out of depravity, out of hostility, and out of feudalistic thoughts. And he wants to begin to breathe life into your mind. He wants your mind to be renewed. He wants you to leave every pattern of this world, every thought process of this world, every way that this world does things, every way that this world wants to react to things, every way that this world wants you to be. It has a pattern, and it wants to force you into it. And some of us gladly walk on in. But Romans 12 says, do not Conform to the pattern of this world, but instead allow me to transform you. To breathe life inside of you and turn the light switch on. So that you will be the light of this world. Isaiah 60. Apparently, it was spoken over this church quite heavily yesterday. 
Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers this earth, and thick darkness is all over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you, and nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. God doesn't just want you to conform to his ways. He wants to transform you. He wants you to shine. He wants you to not be just someone walking around, bumping around, being broken and and sinning all the time. It's time. People have got to be done with that. It's time to be done with that. It's time to be transformed by the word of God, by his spirit. How many would yield your minds to the Holy Spirit? How many would yield to his goodness? How many want to yield to that? Let's all stand. I want the band to come on up. Transformation, people, it's different than conforming. Conforming is something I can do. It's a, it's a checklist. It's a do's and don'ts. It's the, it's the outside of everything. It's just conforming is me again, having to do it. But Romans says that no longer can you do it alone. You have to rely on me. The rest of Romans reads beautifully about what a transformed mind is. Love is sincere. It hates what's evil and it clings to good. But sometimes in our minds, in our minds, our love is not sincere. And we kind of love what's evil and we kind of don't cling to what's good. In my own mind, I'm disappointed in my hope, and I'm frustrated and angry in my affliction, and I'm extremely unfaithful in prayer. But God says to be joyful in my hope, patient in my affliction, and very faithful in prayer. So when you use that to kind of measure the transformation in my life, I see that, yeah, you know, I do conform a little bit too much to the pattern of this world. The Bible says in Romans 12, verse whatever this is, I can't see the number, 19, it says... It's mine to avenge, he says. I will repay. But my mind says, nope, I'm taking care of this. I'm going to get mine. I deserve this. The Lord says, no, I want to transform your mind. He says, mine. Vengeance is mine. I say, hey, if my enemy's hungry, let him starve. If he's thirsty, let him die of thirst. 
transformed mind says, go to your enemy and feed them. My mind says and screams and cries that I'm being overcome by the evil of this world and that it's getting worse and worse and rottener and rottener and I can't do anything about it. I'm being overwhelmed and I'm discouraged and I'm disappointed. So therefore I sit myself down and I let the steamroller of every one of my addictions and every one of my temptations to run over the top of me and I just let it happen because I can't fight anymore. I'm tired. That it's bigger than me. But Romans says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It says, never lack in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You cannot ever get burned out. I want to get burned out. That's your mind, your unregenerate mind. Let the Lord just cover you right now. We are, many of us in here, most of us have accepted Christ and we're on our way to heaven. And I can't wait. God's not done. He's got you right where he wants you. And he's so prepared right now to bring a transformation in your life where the light of the Holy Spirit begins to shine through you. But the first thing he's got to have now is your mind. Put your hand on your head right now and say, Father, Let me think your thoughts. Father, think into me. Father, renew my mind. Renew it. Take it back before it went bad. Father God, right now, right now, right now, across this room, in Jesus' name, Lord God, you are, you are illuminating even now thoughts that you thought were your thoughts. Lord God, I thank you right now that your Holy Spirit is beginning to transform and to renew and to bring it about so that we do not look, sound, and act anymore like those in this world, but that, Lord God, we become a very different being. We become that peculiar people that you've called us to be. Father God, I pray right now that my thoughts are blood-bought thoughts and spirit-wrought thoughts. In Jesus' name, have my mind. In Jesus' name, have my mind. In Jesus' name, have my mind. Take me, take me, take me, take me, take me. Take me, take me. Lay yourself right now. Put your minds in his hands. Put your mind in his hands. In Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray right now. Lord God, I pray right now. Lord God, I pray right now. Lord God, I pray right now that there's changes of mind. There's changes of thought. You're laying it down. Hostility. Your hostility against God right now in your mind is gone in Jesus' name. Break it, break it, break it off of your mind. Don't let it be there anymore. No more rebellion. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father God. Praise you. Let him transform for you are the light of the world. 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 You're not hiding under a rock any longer. You're going to shine. You're going to shine. You're going to shine like Jesus shone on that mountaintop. You're going to shine. 
For God wants to transform you. He doesn't just want to conform you to his will. He wants to transform you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord God. I want you to see yourself very differently than you've seen yourself. Prayer warriors, come on up. You need to go, go quietly though. Don't don't disrupt this moment. Let the Lord do his work. Let us, the Lord do his work in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, in your mind, in your soul. If you want prayer, come on up right now. If you want prayer, come on up right now. Hallelujah. We're gonna sing this song, and I just want you to just you don't have to sing if you don't want to sing. I just want you to let your mind get renewed. Let the Holy Spirit wash your mind wash it out and you know what it's two things it's washing out the wrong and it's washing in the right let him birth the right things inside of you in jesus name hallelujah hallelujah let the spirit just just settle 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 settle